Hello, happy people. Welcome to the Profitable Happiness Podcast. Hello, everyone. This is Dr. Pillay with the Profitable Happiness Podcast. And today, coming all the way from the mountains, you're going to have to tell us what that means. From the mountains is one of my favorite online LinkedIn influencers, Kurt Mercadante. Kurt, how are you doing today? I'm doing awesome, Dr. Pillay, and congratulations on not butchering my last name. You know, I, <laughs> it's one of the most common things that happen when I get on podcast. And before, you know, you spend a few minutes talking before, and they always ask me, they'll ask me three times, and then we still get on the podcast and they say something <laughs> that doesn't even resemble in any way, shape, or form my name. So yeah. congratulations. <laughs> yeah, no, that that's so cool. Hey, Kurt. You will remember that as we were talking, I kind of told you why you came to my attention. So first of all, I learned about you from another list of LinkedIn influencers. You're at the top of the chain. And I just found your style when I looked at your stuff to be very straightforward. You don't, you don't, you don't, you don't suffer fools gladly. Okay. You're like, this is the point. Let's get to it. Let's do it. And then I'm seeing this beard and I'm like, this guy's different. I got to check him out. And now you tell me you're living in the mountains. Oh my God. Tell us how you became Kurt Mercadante and now you're living in the mountains. Tell us all about that. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I appreciate that. And, um, you know, it's funny you mentioned that I don't suffer fools and I'm, and I, and I'm pretty direct and I've, I've probably toned down over recent years, but I had someone, uh, I've had a couple people actually tell me they meet me in person. They're like, wow, you're really nice in person, <laughs> but not online. <laughs> so I tone it down a little bit, but I'm direct because I, I get fired up on things and I get passionate. And, um, you know, that's gotten me into trouble uh, throughout my career. And when I say it's gotten me into trouble, not just relationship wise, but also I can chase and run down rabbit holes and paths based on, you know, hey, I'm going to plant my flag and I have responsibility and I'm going to go tackle this. And so, you know, my career is based on one that, you know, I always think back to uh, when I in my junior year in high school. And I had a teacher and it was America uh, since 1945, I believe. And then there was political science class. And I had a teacher who would get us fired up. Now, he and I probably differ politically on just about everything. But he got me fired up about what I believed at the time was the power of politics to save the world. And I, I want to do that. And when I look back over time, I built a career exactly like I wanted to build as I went. Um, you know, the things that I wanted to do, I not only knew the path, but I walked the path. Sometimes I was unsure of the path, but as I walked it, it became clear to me. You know, I worked in Congress. I worked on Capitol Hill. I worked on tier one uh, political campaigns. I worked for some of the largest trade associations doing what I wanted to do and then built my own agency. Started in my twenties. I left it and built it. That's exactly what I had always wanted to do. And what I realized over time is, um, I built a prison instead of a business mm. and all those things that I thought were successful. Listen, I don't regret any of it because like you said, this is part of who made what made me who I am today. Yep. You know, I realized that politics too often isn't about saving the world. It's about saving the politicians. I realized that the way things really work in Washington, DC, we could talk about that, but, but I do really feel it's not like the movie, but there is a matrix of reality that people think is real and what's going on on both sides of the aisle and what's actually really going on. Um, but I also learned over time that what I was taught, that what was the de definition of success, mm -hmm. the home, the cars, the money, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. I had all that. And to go with it, I had anxiety attacks. 
I had poor health. I had a cocktail of prescription drugs helping me deal with the anxiety attacks and the poor health. Yeah. Um, I had a, a wonderful wife. I still have a wonderful wife and kids, <laughs> but I wasn't being an epic dad. I wasn't being an epic husband. And so over time, I scaled a seven-figure PR and ad agency. And a little over three years ago, I woke up on a Tuesday morning and I said, I'm done. I fired wow. all my clients. I shut it down at peak revenue. I went to tell my wife. I was like, oh my gosh, how am I going to tell my wife? How am I going to tell my wife? And I said, you mean you didn't ask her first? <laughs> no. Well, because you know, I had been in denial and thought I was hiding it. Yeah. Right. A lot of men, they're very good at, oh, we think we're hiding it. But here, here's, here's the clue <laughs> that I wasn't hiding it. I, I said, honey, I'm done. And she looked at me and said, oh, it's about time. Because <laughs> you know what? She knew she was going to have her husband back. Yeah. Dad was going to be back. And so I built my current company. Now, <clears throat> some people listen to this and they think, and this goes to the heart of why I love the, the, the title of your podcast, Profitable Happiness. People look at it just from a money angle and they're like, Kurt, you're so stupid. All right, you hated it. Why didn't you then decide instead of shutting it down, I'm going to get this thing ready to sell? And the answer is this. Yeah, that would have been great. If I hadn't been in denial for about seven or eight years, I would have built a runway to sell it. Mm. But I wrote a book called Five Pillars of the Freedom Lifestyle, those pillars that you can use to build freedom in your life. The subtitle was Escape Your Comfort Zone of Misery. Whoa. You see, that comfort zone of misery is what Henry David Thoreau refers to as, he says, all men lead, the mass of men lead lives of quiet desperation. I would add women in there too, right? Yeah. Many of them do. The quiet desperation can be dangerous because it's quiet. You know, it's a comfort zone of misery. It's miserable, but it's a comfort zone. Why is it a comfort zone? Well, I'm getting consistent paychecks. You know, I have that money. So I'm going to put up with this. Well, part of the reason I had anxiety attack, I felt guilty about wanting more, not more money, but more fulfillment, more freedom, more happiness, like you talk about. Yeah. And so um, when it that desperation gets loud, it forces you to deal with it. You know, it forces you to fight back. Yeah. And so when I woke up that morning, the desperation was loud and that was it. And some people just won't understand it. If you look at as if you take away the happiness from profitable, Mm -hmm. right? They're going to think I'm stupid. <laughs> the, the people who've hit that wall know exactly what I'm talking about. And, and there's one last thing as part of that, because it, it's brought me to who I am today. Mm -hmm. and, and I am passionate. And that's why I come, it comes across in my content, my videos, yep. et cetera. And some people think I'm angry. I'm just passionate. You know, it's, it's, it's a false dichotomy to say you're either profitable or happy, right? It, it, that's like saying, uh, you can either be good at business or a good person. Mm. You know, it, it's, it's, you can be altruistic or a CEO. Well, no, you can bring the two together. And there's, there's plenty of cases of people doing just that. You know, the CEO, John Mackey of Whole Foods is someone who talks about conscious capitalism. Mm -hmm. You're not either conscious or capitalist. You bring them together. You can do the both. That's why I love the, the title of your, your podcast, which is Profitable Happiness. It brings them together. It's not a duality. It's like the yin and the yang. Some people think it's yin and yang. It's Oh, it's all rolled up in the mixing bowl, right? Yeah. Yeah. No, thank you for that, for that comment. And, and not only does it bring them together, you don't have to be profitable within the thing that makes you happy. They can just coexist, you know? Um, so some people like in my industry, the music industry, they think, well, if I'm not Michael Jackson or Prince or Stevie Wonder, I, I didn't make it. No, come on. You can bring your music into software development or LinkedIn marketing like I do. You know, it's like, just have fun. Do what you do. <laughs> now, Absolutely. Kurt, you mentioned that you 
and your family moved all the way to, you know, uh, this uh, nomadic lifestyle, which you call slowmatic, <laughs> or your wife calls slowmatic. Yes. But you're out in the mountains. You guys are just remote. You, I'm sure you wake up every morning and see a beautiful world. I can see now how you made that decision to go there. But tell us more about that. Like, what does it feel like now to be where you are? You know, it's it's funny that that I or it's not so funny. Yeah, it's funny now, right? You know, my wife and I were married, uh, were engaged uh, back in two thousand one. My career is on the upward trajectory. We get engaged, and we got engaged at the fake Grand Canal at the Venetian Hotel and Casino in in uh, beautiful casino in Las Vegas, right? Mm-hmm. And we vowed, you know, next year, we're going back to the real. You know, we're going to the real Grand Canal. Um, we didn't. And every year, no matter how much money I made, seven figures, didn't have enough money to go travel. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't just about the money. It was, I can't afford to take two weeks off. I have clients. I'm an important person. I can't do this, but we never had enough money. When you're so focused on money, you never have enough, right? Yeah. Yeah. And so we didn't travel. I shut down my agency. Like I told you peak mm-hmm. revenue, you know, my revenue takes a dip. I started a new company, did well pretty quickly. But right off the bat, you know what we did? We took a six-week vacation to Europe. Awesome. Not, and by the way, 17 years later, I cut my revenue. We have four kids, so it's a lot more expensive than traveling just, just my yeah. wife and I, and yeah. then we go. And you know what we realized is, and, 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 and we did that, and we replicated that a year later. And then last year, you know, we, we went to Italy for three weeks. Um, we went to uh, London for a week. I traveled. Uh, I, I, I spent five days in Cairo, Egypt, touring the pyramids, right? Getting the travel bug. And it's interesting. I, we have relatives, right? And people in our circle who have a scarcity mindset, they're kind of on the other side of the matrix, right? Mm -hmm. And they're like, well, must be nice. How do you find that money to do that? How do you find the money to do that? And the answer is specifically to some of these people, well, I don't care that I don't have granite countertops. I don't get obsessed about the type of cabinetry and redoing my bathroom. Not that there's anything wrong with any of that, mm-hmm. but I would rather spend my money on experiences with the people I love than get a nice bathroom to look at, but still <laughs> never talk to my spouse wow. or spend time with my kids. Mm-hmm. And so we got the travel bug going into the last year. And we had talked about some, at some point in the future, maybe selling our house and traveling the world, maybe going to New Zealand, Australia, places we've never seen. We were pulling the kids. We have fun with it. Where do, where, where do you want to go? And they're like, Tokyo, I want to go here. Okay, great. And then COVID hit. Oh. And, and, and not only was it not about, okay, we don't know when we're going to be able to travel the world. <clears throat> like we couldn't even do the things in our town that we wanted to do. And that at first made me angry. And I have my opinions on lockdowns and some of the shutdowns and looking at the statistics and all that. Yeah. But we said, okay, let's put it on hold. And then a lot of the other stuff started happening. Certainly, there's been a lot of interesting things happening over the last 12 months, right? Yeah. Uh, politics, pandemic, all that. My wife and I said, you know what? We're not going to sit around and be prisoners of other people's agendas and, other pe- and social media and Facebook friends and what people want us to get angry about. You know, I call Facebook anger book. Like, what am I supposed to be angry about today? I've deleted <laughs> Facebook, you know. And we said, you know what? Forget it. And, and people are like, why would you do it during a pandemic? Why not? So we just decided we put our house on the market. After we decided it, we did it. A month later, house on the market. And we went and we've been uh, in Georgia, Tennessee. We visited family in Illinois. 
you know, we're going to the Gulf Coast. We're going to travel around. If they open up and if they don't require us to, you know, show, you know, have inspections of our human organs to travel internationally, maybe we'll travel internationally after that as well. But what we've done is we've created a freedom bubble. Mm. You know, we flow to where we feel we're treated best and where we can be free and fulfilled, treated like adults. Yeah. And, um, and we go to those areas and some people are like, Oh, blah, blah, blah. Hey, you do you we're going to do us. <laughs> yeah. But as we do it, you know what? We tune out the noise and people get mad. How can you say what happened on Capitol Hill is noise? Well, yeah. What are you going to do about it today? Well, you need to engage. Well, what did you do other than staring at a screen and yelling at the screen and getting angry all day? Do you really think that's making a difference? Because I've knocked on thousands of doors, contributed tens of thousands of dollars to candidates. I've been spit on and physically threatened and chased off yards. Mm. That's taking action. So instead of screaming at your screen, you really want to make a difference? Go knock on some doors this week. You know, but uh, what I've seen over time, and I used to be part of the problem, mm. was mind control on both sides. People watching Fox News or MSNBC. Yeah. My friend Randy Gage just has a book called Radical Rebirth. And he said, when you are truly self-aware, you can watch Fox News for a conservative viewpoint or MSNBC <clears throat> for a liberal viewpoint, and yet still realize you are being subjected to propaganda we haven't seen since Goebbels and the Nazis. Absolutely. <laughs> and so, you know, we cut off the news here. I still know what's going on. Mm. But you know what? I have four kids. I'm not going to tell them, hey, wait, because I got to scream at the, the TV and get mad at whatever politician said something stupid today. Yeah, yeah, no. My wife has, and I go on date nights. You know, I exercise. We go hiking. We do those things. And by the way, to be clear, in the morning, I'm on podcast with you. I mean, yep. this is part of my work. I love it. Mm -hmm. I'm going to get off this. I'm going to do sales calls after this. Mm -hmm. I'm going to do coaching calls. So you get that life in alignment where your work, your relationship, and yourself are in alignment, not balance. You talk about why balance is wrong, but you get it in alignment in a way that works for you. And, and man, you know, what comes to mind is profitable happiness. That's how it flows, you know? <laughs> you know, so first of all, you remind me very much of a, one of my favorite sayings, um, that a leader is someone who knows the way, goes the way, and shows the way. Because you really can't teach what you haven't lived. And, and you have absolutely lived these things. And another thing I really appreciate is when a person takes their path in life and somehow converts that into their purpose. And I know that you're big on purpose and productivity and, and all those kinds of things. You know, one more thing, there's a guy, his name is Chris Matthews from your world. He, he also like you was a, you know, a political yeah. expert and support ex, you know, all that stuff. And he, I think he wrote a book, something, something titled life is a political campaign. I think that's the title of his book, Chris Matthews. But you remind me of that. Tell us how your political background has sort of given you the transferable skills for your current business. And then tell us more about your current business. Yeah, I, I think it's given me those skills, you know, communication. I think being passionate about something. There are plenty of people, a lot of people in politics, some who've been there a while who are not passionate and are in it for pro just profits without the happiness quotient. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but there are a lot of people in there, well-meaning people. And it's important to understand that the person across the aisle from you is a well-meaning person. And that's empathy rather than saying, I'm right and you're stupid and evil, <laughs> right? Which is yeah. what we see today. Yeah. But the transferable skills, you know, I think that part of what I used to do, which is a, a regret uh, in and of itself that I did it, but also I had an awakening that I know how it was done. Yeah. 
-hmm. is I think what we're seeing over the past year on the right and the left is the manifestation of the past 25 years of how we communicate and politics. Yeah. It's governance. And, and by the way, when I say this, it's not just Trump, it's the other side too. And it's everyone underneath governance by Twitter, governance by Facebook posts. How much can I whip someone up? And I used to be part of that problem because I was an online strategist and I worked for special interests in DC who I could take an obscure drug pricing bill in the state of New York and get people whipped up. It's the state reps and the state senators that do it, but I could get them so whipped up thinking it's Obama's fault or George Bush's fault. It's gotta be right? somebody's fault, right? <laughs> exactly. And you, I knew that I could get them worked up. They wouldn't read the bill and they would go and they would do this and you'd get them to storm town hall meetings. And that's great, except now we're seeing the manifestation of that, that it's how many people can you get going? And now we have on top of that, and this is a little bit of my soapbox because I think this is the real threat. The right and the left in this country are fighting each other, right? Last June, we saw riots. Last week, we saw riots. Yep. We see the political stuff happening. We see the fights over COVID and you don't know who to believe on what. And we know that in the midst of this, this is not conspiracy theory. There's Clemson University researchers. There's people in the intelligence community. Let me just say that 40% at one point of the online traffic about COVID was coming from foreign entity bots. Wow. Clemson University found that there was a, I can't remember the name of the Facebook post, but it was in Charleston, South Carolina, where we live, where we just moved from. And it was something about riot Charleston. And this was back when the, the riots and protests were going, there were peaceful riots, and then there were protests. That there was a local Facebook group where they went out and recruited local people Mm -hmm. who were most likely using the data available, most likely to be people who would be up in arms and riot, right? Mm -hmm. Clemson found out that that Facebook page originated in Russia. Wow. And so we're, we're, we're kind of like unwitting participants. We think it's a local group and whatever, and they have all our data. So I think the more that we succumb to the noise, the more that entities outside are laughing. Yeah, yeah. And they would they would like nothing else for us to start it. And so I think that's dangerous. So the transferable skills is I know that. If I can help people awaken, not convince and convert, but just awaken them, what I tell people is, okay, great. I understand you're upset about this issue. I got it. Great. Right now, the economy is hurting. If I can help a hundred people build a more purposeful business this year, which will result in more profits, I'm saving the world in a very tangible way yeah. to do that. I got to turn off the news. I got to turn off the noise. I got to focus on delivering that impact to those clients. And by the way, my kids, my wife, myself. And so a lot of times we focus on saving the world mm -hmm. and it's so broad, but what's that old term? And, and a lot of people think it's cliche, but it's absolutely true. You know, uh, think globally, act locally. But when you think globally, don't obsess over it. Don't get so mad over it. Just focus on your process of how can I make in the different a difference in the world here? And it can be a very big thing, but you know, if I can help several hundred business owners, if I can I have four kids. Mm -hmm. If I can help four kids and put them into the world empowered to make a difference, that's a contribution. Yeah. Totally. So so you know, tell us a little bit more about Merck Enterprises, your current mm -hmm. business, whom you serve, 
what kind of challenges they have right now? You know, whenever you meet someone, what are they going through? And how do you bring them through change to the success they're looking for? Yeah, thank you for asking that. There's, you know, there's really two types of clients we work with. They're entrepreneurs who, because of the new environment, so let's say they're financial advisors or insurance benefits folks, mm -hmm. and they've been taught, there's one major financial company that literally the way they teach their, uh, their people to sell their financial advisor is actually going door to door and knocking on doors, which I think is really cool. But to think that like, I would never buy financial products from someone who knocks yeah. on my door, but Hey, great. Yeah, it's hard. It's hard to open your door and buy anything from someone. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> but you know, the, the new environment, depending on where you're at, especially face-to-face -face meetings are not a thing. So there's a lot of financial service entrepreneurs who are like, I don't know what to do. I'm used to sitting across the desk and drawing pictures about rates of return and I can't do it. Mm -hmm. Now you take that example and you multiply that, you know, um, my referrals, I'm used to having 80% referrals. They all went away because my referral people went out of business or retired because they're sick of being it, right? So there are people who need to figure out how to deliver the right message to the right clients to generate more revenue. We help them do that. And it's very simple. Some people call it branding. Some people call it sales. I call it message clients revenue, right? Yeah. yeah. So that's one piece. There's another, another type of client that works with us who, yeah, needs help with that. But they also need help being more purposeful and productive. Mm -hmm. And, you know, there are folks, when, when you're an entrepreneur, you know this, you can be successful, you can be smart, but you're still on an island unto yourself sometimes. Yeah. And you may have friends, but they're in corporate world. You may have a spouse, but, you know, she doesn't, she hasn't been through what you're, and so there are people who need that. I have one client who says, listen, you know, and I ask my clients on a regular basis, like, why do you like working with me? Like, what's the impact you get? I'm not going to project it onto you. And I have some people who are like, you've given me a process to deliver the message to the right clients to generate more revenue. I have, I have one guy who said, listen, um, I just need someone to talk to on a monthly basis who's another guy who's not my kids or my wife <laughs> in there. Mm. And it's various challenges. And for him, it's a little more open-ended. Um, and, then, and then some folks who just need, they're very smart, but they need, uh, they're like... Listen, everyone's like this squirrels with a nut, you know, it's like, all right, let's focus on your lane and get really good on racing in that lane and then expand the lane rather than let's try all seven lanes at once and, and, and clog the drain with it. So that's what we do. Um, and, and, and you mentioned, I help entrepreneurs, executives and enterprises, cause I do work with some teams to help them become more purposeful, productive, productive and profitable. That's that's really powerful. And I just love your focus on, hey, business is simple. Message, clients, revenue, done. <laughs> it, we overcomplicate. And, you know, you started out, that well, not started out this podcast, but beforehand. Mm -hmm. And you said, I'm going to ask you your story. And we have some guests who, who give a list of bells and whistles and features. Well, guess what? That's not compelling for a podcast. Mm -mm. But I what I call that is when we're talking to potential clients and we our mouth comes out with a list of bell. I call it verbally vomiting on your Yeah, yeah, client. the verbal vomit. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you don't want that. <laughs> no, no, not at all. You know, uh, Kurt, we also talked before uh, we got started. And by the way, I think that the five pillars of the freedom lifestyle, that's very cool. By the way, when did you finish that book? Is it is it still available on Amazon? Is it out? There? Yeah, it is. It is. It came out September 23rd of 2019. 
Okay. So uh, we hit Amazon bestseller status. If anyone right now actually goes to fivepillarsoffreedom.com, mm -hmm. you can find out how to buy the book, but you can also sign up and get chapter one absolutely free. Is that a five with a regular number? Uh, sorry, five? it's spelled out F I V E. F I V E. Yeah, of, yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll, in, we'll include that. Um, but what I was going to ask you is kind of my favorite topic, and we talked about this, which is profitable happiness. We've mentioned that. But I look at you, and one of the things I really wanted to learn from you is how you live that kind of lifestyle yourself and how, what advice you might have for people who are looking for that person that, that could say, hey, you know what? Go for it. Be yourself. Do, do what you do. And yes, there is potential for your happiness to be part of your profit. I mean, look at you. You're wearing a beard, dude. How many people <laughs> do that? And then I've seen, well, you wear suits and stuff too, but you've got a very unique look. You obviously aren't listening to anybody else's, you know, story. Okay. You're doing your thing. How can other people who are looking to wake up, as you said, and take a journey that is really their life's journey, their purpose, how, how do they do it? What advice do you have to get started? Well, I, I, a lot of times I like to start off by asking a question. If you had a magic wand and could magically be transported right now into the life you want, the life you want. And that, that's key because a lot of people can't get out of the way, out of their own way yeah. with external expectations. Well, this is what I think I'm supposed to do. This is what my mom and dad said I was supposed to do when I was seven. This is what a teacher, this is what a boss. Now, what do you actually want to do? And some people are like, I have no idea. You know yeah. what? Flip the script and say, well, what do you hate to do? Let's start mm -hmm. there. And by the way, of all those things you hate to do, how much of that are you doing now? So let's eliminate all that. What are you left with, right? And that goes to a quote that I read every day and I love to share. And it's one of my favorite quotes of all time, which gets to the heart, I believe, of, of having profitable happiness in your life. Mm -hmm. And it's from Bruce Lee, ah. who said, they asked him about his key to success. And he said, it's not about the daily increase. It's the daily decrease, hacking away at the unessential. And what he meant was all of us try to add and add and add and add, and we overcomplicate. When you get closer to the source, there's no, and he said this, the closer you are to the source, the less wastage there is. Mm. Get close to that source and find out what are all the excess motions in my life. I ran uh, track and cross country. When I in high school, and I remember going to University of Wisconsin cross country camp, and, uh, and one of the things they had us do was they have us run like thirty meters, and they filmed us not sprinting but just running a normal gait, mm -hmm. and then they spent time in a workshop looking at everything: your head movements, your arm movements, your leg movements, finding out all the excess motion. And when you got rid of the excess motion, what were you left with? A state of flow, mm -hmm. where you're not giving up your energy. And so when you hack away at the unessential, you get closer to the source, you're not wasting energy. Then you realize I am spending three hours of activity, but I'm not truly productive. Mm. Um, why am I doing this? And, if, and I always ask people, ask yourself everything you do in your day. Why? And if the answer is something like, well, cause I've always done it this way. I do this with teams too. Why do you have the Monday morning meeting? Cause we've always had the morning morning meeting. Okay. <laughs> uh, why is it an hour? Because it's always been an hour. Could you do it in 10? And could you do it once every two weeks? Well, we never thought about that. Right. But, but individuals have that in their day as well. Mm -hmm. When you start asking yourself, like, why am I doing this? And if the answer isn't, it's bringing me in the shortest, straightest, simplest route to my desired outcomes, mm -hmm. then maybe kill it. Wow. You know, and I think I heard, uh, uh, gosh, 
Apple founder uh, Steve Jobs say something like that at a speech where he said every single day he asks that question, why am I doing what am I doing? And if he didn't like it, he'd just quit. <laughs> yeah, I call, with my clients, I call it audit, edit, and restrict. Ooh. I go by feeling of my day. And if at the end of the day, if at the end of the week, you look back over your days and you're like, you know what, Tuesday and Wednesday, I don't know what it was, but at the end of the day, I just didn't have that feeling that I won the day. It, just was, it felt like a grind. Go back and look, what did you do that day that contributed to that feeling? What didn't you do that day that contributed to that feeling? And go from there and maybe rearrange the way you do things. Sometimes that's important. Sometimes you get, you've, you've broken it down to the source and you still don't feel well. Well, it, sometimes the order in which you do things is important according to what I call your energy flow. Mm -hmm. You know, some people try to force feed their, their, their sales calls into the morning because some experts said that. Well, I've had some clients who said, I'm ornery before noon. I do my sales calls at one because that's when my energy is highest. Great. Do what works for you. Audit and edit and restrict mm -hmm. according to how you feel. And if you're not in that state of flow, there's a reason for it. And if you're not, you know, think of a mountain stream. When there's no boulders in the middle of it, the stream flows better. Find out where those boulders are in your day and get rid of them. There's always going to be boulders too, right? And sometimes you just got to flow around them or over them. A lot of what I call the hustling grind pornographers. There, there, there are a lot of the people on YouTube and podcasts today would have you believe that it's all about adrenaline. And instead mm -hmm. of flowing to the right or the left, you got to go up to that boulder and just start headbutting it until your head is bloody and then headbutt <laughs> it some more. It's like, okay, great. That sells some books. It's real catchy, but it's not very effective. Um, so getting in that state of flow is so important. And, and a lot of people, oh, that's woo woo. It's metaphysical. It's like, okay, great. You know, there's so many pragmatic examples in sports, in business, uh, yeah. in nature that show it. Um, and, and I work with a lot of people, quite honestly, the people who hop into my one-on-one -on -one are over 40 years old. Why? What I have found is there is a barrier when you cross 40, you know, I've been putting money in my IRA, you cross 40, that 59 and a half years old, you can see it. People <laughs> over 40 have been punched in the face a little bit more. They've been humbled before that in many cases. And, and I'm not stereotyping, but this is based on years of experience yeah. all by the book. I have enough time. I can do it on my own. And all of a sudden you get to be 45 or 50. And it's like, I need some help. Yeah. <laughs> I understand. I get it now. And yeah. by the way, you need to trademark something you just said, which yeah. is so powerful. You said, and I can see that it comes from the mountains. You said, find the boulders in your day and get rid of them. Yeah. That's unique. That's powerful. I love that. Nice. Nice. Um, Thank you. Kurt. What are you excited about right now? What's the new project, the new thing that we all need to learn about? You know, tell us what, what's, what's getting you to wake up in the morning all ready to, to work hard. And how can we connect with you? What's the best way to find you online to connect with you? Yeah, this is, this is going to sound a little di bit different than maybe you hear, but you know what gets what I'm so excited to jump out of the bed at four in the morning? Mm -hmm. And by the way, I think alarm clocks are dangerous to your health, right? <laughs> it, your body knows how much sleep it needs. Yeah. Go to bed earlier. Don't sit up and binge Netflix and all that, right? Yeah. You know what gets me out of bed in the morning? The sunrise. Mm. I have the most incredible sunrise over the mountains. Mm -hmm. And by the way, last month I had it over uh, the Atlantic Ocean. And what I love about the sunrise is I'm prone to wake up with anxiety because I'm a very driven person, right? And I'm an activator. Really? <laughs> yeah. Sometimes I wake up thinking about a client not worried about a client, but like, how am I going to help them? You know, this and that. And yeah, the sunrise helps me get back to my center and realize that 
no matter what's going on in the world, no matter what's going on with my client, no matter what's going on with me and in, in, in relationships and all that, that sun I'm looking at, that sunrise, it's like the same sunrise that, you know, uh, Lao Tzu had 2,500 years ago, mm-hmm. that Jesus had 2020 years ago that Muhammad had, you know, you, you look back and it's like, it's the, and, and, and the most, one of the biggest cliches that people have shared over the last year, this too shall pass. Yeah. Well, the funny thing about cliches is they're only cliches if you ignore them and say they're cliches. But when you really look at some of that wisdom, you know, the water comes in and it goes back out. Mm. And in this day and age where every email is the most important email we've ever sent, every meeting is the most, every election, this is the most important election until two years from now. And by the way, that's going to be the most important election. You know, <laughs> yeah, yeah. it's, it's like, realize that, you know, that, that I get up and I look at that sunrise and I'm like, you know what? The world and this universe is so much bigger than any little stuff I have going on. I'll figure it out. It'll happen. No matter people want me to wake up and be angry in the morning, I'm not going to be angry because that takes me out of flow. That takes me out of being creative and creating value for my clients and, and my wife and my kids. And right now, my duty is to empower my children. Mm-hmm. My duty is to have a super excellent relationship with my wife. My duty is to help my clients be more purposeful and productive so they can generate more profits, which right now, the more people generating profits, the better this economy is. And that's lives. People want to separate economy from lives. Uh-uh. You ain't going to happen. I think we're seeing that. Yeah. So that's what keeps me going every day. That's what gets me out of bed in the morning. Um, in terms of, by the way, how people can get in touch with me, my name is hard to spell, Mercadante, right? We talked about it at the beginning. Yeah. Yeah. So I have an easy way for people to get in touch with me. If you take out your smartphone mm-hmm. and you text the word authority, Y-O-U-T-H-O-R-I-T-Y to the number 55678, mm-hmm. you get an auto text back. There's three free webinars. One is four pillars of building an authority brand. Another is using podcasts to build your authority brand. And another one is leveling up LinkedIn. Mm-hmm. There's also a link where you can get in touch with me. And it's a lot easier than spelling my name. Um, By the way, no. I'm going to make sure I get that spelled out. <laughs> yes. <laughs> you, authority. That is powerful. Love that. Um, authority. And what was the number again? Five, sure. Five, five, six, seven, eight. Five, five, six, seven, eight. Awesome. Yeah. That is so cool. So do you have a website as well, in addition to the U authority approach? Yeah. If you go to Merck, M-E-R-C dot enterprises, plural, there's no dot com. So Merck dot enterprises. Mm-hmm. That's my company website. You can go there and find more about me and so you know, subscribe to my podcast and, and go from there. Yeah. All right. Well, I just want to thank you, Kurt, for being a guest uh, on our show. I can see how you've fused life, the truth of who you are, with this idea of helping others be purposeful and productive and profitable. And I just, I, I wish you the very best. Thank you for being on our show. Well, thank you. You make it very easy. And, and I'm on a lot of podcasts, some of whom just don't allow it to flow in the discussion like you do. Uh, I know you have, you have a format that you like to keep to, but it's very conversational. Uh, and so thank you for that. And, and thank you. I, I think, again, profitable happiness. That's it. That encapsulates it. They're not, it's not profitable or happy. It's profitable happiness. So thank you for this opportunity. Thank you so much. We'll talk soon. Thanks for tuning in to the Profitable Happiness Podcast. For more episodes, visit drpalay.com. And remember, get happy first and success will follow.